What's going on, everybody? My name is George Glife. This is episode seven of Let's Grab Coffee. I'm here today with uh, my boy, Tice, the big rig. <laughs> Make that money. He's a, he's a really good friend of mine. Uh, and we thought we'd do this podcast. Uh, I've known Tice for, for a while now. I actually met him in university in Telfer, uh, the good old days. Tice, uh, he's had, you know, different work experiences, actually. He's, he started his first co-op, I think, in government. He then did NAV Canada as the investment analyst, biz development in uh, Raymond James, and then now as an associate with Scotia Wealth Management. So, you know, this guy is is very well-rounded. One of, honestly, guys, I, I don't mean this just because we're, we're together right now on air, but one of the nicest guys I know. He's, in fact, like a moral compass in my life. And every time I'm down or something's going on, pick up the phone, call Tice. He always has some good advice. That actually rhymed, but uh, <laughs> let's, let's, spit a, let's spit a few raps right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, <Freestyle>. uh, <laughs> there you go. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm happy to have Tice. You know, this podcast is all about bringing leaders from different industries and just talking about you know experiences, things you learn, uh, and, and whatever you have to say. I mean, this is a, as a casual, informal talk, but Tice has a lot of cool lessons. Uh, he, you know, he's a great speaker, and, and he's ready to motivate and inspire anyone who's listening to this. So, Tice. Take it away, man. Tell us about yourself. First of all, I want to say thank you. This is a great opportunity. I've been watching your podcast, reading your articles. And, you know, I even sometimes I'm calling you after I read these articles because I'm like, yo, this, this actually relates to what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm a fan and I just like I encourage anybody to uh, I think one of your articles, I forget which one it was, but I shared it actually at work. So I shared that article at work. And I know when I was studying uh, at uh, during the summertime at the university, I was talking to a couple of people, and they've been inspired by uh, a lot of your words and a lot of your videos. So you know, keep it up. You know, it's an honor Thanks, to be man. here, and I really appreciate the opportunity, George. Thanks, man. Thanks. So tell us, dude, what's what's your what's your background? Tell tell me your story in university and how you got to this to this place right now. So honestly, it it's a blessing to uh, be where I am right now. Um, in university, I felt like I was really behind, to be honest, because first year I was no option. So I didn't even know if I wanted to do finance. Second year, I decided, you know, finance may be, you know, the right stream for me. And then, you know, I just, as much as I knew about finance, only thing I really knew is what I learned in classrooms, right? Like what uh, corporate finance, it wasn't really like the nits and grits behind it. It wasn't until... You know, I walked into the research lab until I realized how far behind I am in finance. I know when I, I sat down with you, I believe I'm like, you know, what's that line? You're like, oh, man, it's, it's a stock. You're probably so annoyed by me. Like, who's this chump guy? And I never seen, like, Anthony and Aaron, all those guys in the lab, and Daniel, Shannon, all in the lab. And, you know, it, and I felt behind because even watching, hearing you guys conversate, it was like you guys had it all together. You guys were talking about internships, talking about – you know, resumes, like finance resumes. Like I didn't know what kind of world I was in. I was like, <laughs> but what I did know is that I wanted to be involved in it because I felt like that was where, you know, the real finance finance was a real, like I learned a lot through that, you know, just listening to you guys conversate about different things. And that's how it all started off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I guess once I realized that, you know, when I looked more into it when I got home, I'm kind of like a sponge when it comes to that stuff. I was like, man, I'm so behind. And this is when I realized, and I think it was going into my third year. Like, I had like one more year left of university. I'm just like, 
I have no finance internships, like you said. I was working for the government. Uh, you know, some my new I was like paper shredding for like the longest time. <laughs> Started from the bottom, man. <laughs> now we're here. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I was working for the government. I was very thankful because working for the government helped out with paying off my tuition throughout uh, my first two years of university. Uh, but then when I was the summer of my third year, the beginning of the summer of my third year, I, you know, I did a lot of reading. Um, really uh, was thankful to be a part of the capital markets mentorship program, which I applied for, uh, which was something, a program that I wasn't necessarily qualified to be in at the beginning, uh, you know, because I, I was in it in my uh, third year mm-hmm. when I, when you usually start in your second year and, you know, I didn't let it stop me. So I knew that you're not in finance until you're really in that program because that in that program you learn a lot about you know the industries of different streams of finance which is stuff that I wouldn't really learn in my classroom so i remember just having to prove myself through the application process i remember them saying like we need a one-page report on the malaysian airlines and i was and i gave them like a three-page report and they're like give me one paragraph why you should be in this program i gave them like an essay <laughs> you got to um and i and i used it strategically try to differentiate myself and I bind it up in a nice neat package title page everything handed it in and uh, Anne-Marie gave me a chance gave me an interview and uh, very thankful to be a part of that group And I think that group really was the paradigm shift in uh, you know letting me um, get to where I am today mm-hmm. and so I know when I was working for the government I was like man I really need to get some finance experience under my belt because I know here starts about you internships at GE and everybody Dan at BMO I'm just like man like how am I going to break into this industry I need experience underneath my belt yeah. so what I did was I I'm big on networking just like yourself um, so I um, networked with some people that I met through the CMMP program the capital markets mentorship program uh, very fortunate enough uh, to land a uh, internship at NAV Canada on the pension investment team uh, and that was that was an eye-opening experience because it was really like the nits and grits behind it and like the stuff that I felt like I felt like I set a huge learning curve to uphold <laughs> that I don't even think I met the full learning curve in that short time I was in the internship but uh, it was nonetheless a great experience mm-hmm. and kind of like made me kind of feel for being more involved in the wealth management asset management kind of business so Working at the pension fund, I know that, you know, it was more institutional side, but then I wanted to get some retail experience as well uh, mm-hmm. and the wealth management side, client facing. So uh, I saw a post on LinkedIn and I'm pretty sure you know the individual itself. He talks about you. Last time I had a coffee with him, he said like, you know, George is a great guy. And uh, I, he posted on LinkedIn saying, we're in Ottawa, so a new practice anybody down for a coffee i didn't send them a quick message quickly i said hey you know like i'm a student but like i'd be down and grab a coffee with you and um and then had a coffee with him and um with both of them and then kept on having coffees and eventually they offered me a position to work for them at the practice as they're building up their book of business and uh they gave me the business development title and it was a really eye-opening experience as well as that so i caught up 
all my finance experience going into Not my fourth year. year. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of pulled it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, just talking to people like you, like learning, like learning from everybody. Like the thing is people got to put the like, pride away sometimes and really just mm-hmm. be vulnerable, be that sponge, you know? So I know that was something that I used to always do. Like I would never, I was never afraid to show that, you know, I wasn't as knowledgeable and something like that, but I was always willing to learn. So always willing to learn from people younger than me, older than me, you know, like didn't even matter. It was just like, as long as you, you know, compounding, if somebody specializes in something and you want to learn from them, don't be afraid to ask them. Don't, don't make, don't feel like they think you're stupid for asking them a question just because they're younger than you or something like that, or the same age as you, you know? So I think that's what really um, helped me develop like, in my financial knowledge and my financial background for like a short period of time was the fact that I wasn't afraid to ask anybody for help, no matter what the circumstance may be. And, um, and then after that, my fourth year came and I knew that all the jobs were hiring in September. So I was like, you know, like I think the first day of school, I was, I didn't go to classes the first like couple of weeks. I was in the Bloomberg lab, just making, yeah, making Excel spreadsheets, doing a bunch of these, um, looking at all these jobs, interviews, linking the websites and everything like that and opportunities. Um, so it was really good because I started building up quite a bit of uh, friction or, um, you know, getting a lot of interviews, first interview, second interview attempts, but not making it past second interview attempt. And, you know, I was getting interviews at, um, you know, venture capital firms, investment banking, wealth management, asset management. And I was just like, you know, why am I not landing a job right now? You know, I'm making it past the first stage, second stage. And I began to realize it was because, you know, it was kind of like that jack of all trades kind of uh, those interviews because I was preparing in such short time periods. So like say on the Monday I have a, a venture capital interview and then on the Friday, I'd have a wealth management interview. On a Monday, it was an investment banking interview. And I was just like reading. I remember reading on the weekends, like <laughs> breaking into Wall Street investment bank, like, you know, what I need to know and everything like that. But so then really I had to uh, take about a week just to weigh out the pros and cons and really just specialize in what I want to do. And something, something that people need to realize is they need to eliminate the noise around them. They need to identify who you are what your talents are, what your gifts are, and where you're going to excel. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, your personality can fit a certain job description, uh, and it may not be the popular job description to other people, but if it's right for you, it's, it's, you're, you're on the right track. So I had to really isolate all the noise of, like, those big shot finance jobs to those low shops. And I was really just like, you know, what area of finance do I want to be in? You know, I'm a personal person. Um, I love talking to people. I love the client facing aspects of it. I love the ideas of stocks. I love Warren Buffett literature. I'm like, you know, where should I be? Like, you know, so I weighed up all the pros and cons of all the different streams of wealth mm-hmm. and wealth manage different streams of finance and wealth management was that area for me. So what I did do, I went back to my job opportunity list. I deleted everything else that was not wealth <laughs> management related. And I read a lot of articles, a lot of books, a lot of interview questions on purely wealth management specific jobs, wealth management, asset management jobs. So then the opportunity came up uh, for the wealth management associate uh, rotational program. And it was 
you know, the creme de la creme. And, and, I, and I was like, man, I have to get in this job opportunity. Only problem was it wasn't posted on our school website. <laughs> so it was on the, uh, I got it from a friend who goes to, it was at Uni University of Toronto. And he like, I saw the link somewhere. He sent it off to me. And I remember like, man, I got to know. So I went mm -hmm. to uh, the career center and uh, somebody helped me out a lot. And I said, you know, I need to find the name of the recruiter for this job. <laughs> and she got me the name and the email for the recruiter and a number. So then with that, I did a lot of networking uh, for with individuals who uh, worked at that bank mm -hmm. that I'm working at. And um, I did network, network, network with them. And then I got the confidence to go up to one of them and say, hey, you know, you know me. I know you, you know, a little eye to eye. And, Hire me. Uh, and, and uh, I told them, I say, if you could please call this recruiter mm -hmm. and vouch for me and, you know, let them know that I'm the right person for this program. And he looked at me. He said, you want to do it? And he called that person for me, sent my resume in. And it was a great opportunity and a great blessing. And I went down to Toronto. I did the interview. I went well and I got the job. And, and that's where I am right now. So coming from somebody who was behind my first two and a half years, going into my third year, trying to get it together, short time period, absorbing as much as you can. That's uh, very fortunate, very blessed to be where I am today. But it's interesting, man. And first of all, thank you for sharing that. It was very honest uh, and very detailed also, you know, map of your, of, your, of your life in university and then through work. But I'm just sitting here listening to that story, right? And I'm just picking up points uh, because one point will lead to another, right? Mm -hmm. And when you first talked, you know, uh, okay, I, the first thing I did was I looked at the Bloomberg Lab and you saw me, people like Dan, Aaron, Anthony, mm -hmm. that environment. And it was, a, it was a small space, man. Like that, it had like six thermos. There was like 20... <laughs> You know, very uh, egotistical at times, finance guys, and, <laughs> you know, who had big ambitions and big dreams. So it was, uh, it was pretty fueled up. But that, that environment, that was the key, right? And, and you talk about humility. When people ask me about that, and not that I don't have a, you know, a reason not to be humble. I'm just, you know, when people ask me, hey, how can you stay humble? Meaning, not in the sense that to reduce your egotism, but how do you stay humble in the sense that you can always be a learner, listen to other people. And I just mm -hmm. say you have to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. Mm -hmm. it's that simple exactly. that's the only because if you're always the smartest person if you're always the most talented if you don't feel that poke if you don't feel that challenge that competition you know you're gonna wake up in the morning feel a little complacent you know you mm -hmm. won't you won't have that fire or that desire to really outwork your competition when you mm -hmm. came in that bloomberg lab just like i was there i looked around me and i saw guys who were spending 10 hours in that lab let alone you know crunching in time for for, for exams for assignments still getting a's yeah. highest CGPs in finance and, and maintaining a social life, being fit. I'm looking at them I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> there's obviously something I'm missing yeah. because, you know, there, there's there are variables here I'm looking at and, and it's, it's inspiring, right? You're looking at someone and, and that, that's what Tony Robbins talks about. You want to model someone who has traits, qualities, characteristics that you want to embody. Mm -hmm. right? It's not about exactly. reading. You just see it. And, and I think that's what happened with you, right? You just walked in just like I did. You saw that environment and that inspired you to, to make that extra push, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's exactly what happened. It's uh, the natural tech, the natural instincts in us that, you know, want, want to allow us to compete, you know, want, to, want us to compete, want us to improve every day. And like you, know, you spoke spot on. It was like, you know, the, how do they find the balance, you know? And 
you put two brains next to each other, you know, you can't tell the difference. You can't tell one brain's a male or a female. You can't tell one brain, if it's like an x-ray. You can't tell if one brain's black or white or Chinese, you know, like it's, you know, you have the same brain that I have. It's just, we just have the same hours in a day. You just got to push it out, be efficient. And wherever you prioritize yourself to, whatever you prioritize yourself to do, um, you just go about and do it. It's, it's amazing. We also talked, like last time we were on the phone, we talked about Ron and Rousey, right? I just want to loop in that example because we're talking about, uh, you know, if your environment isn't challenging enough, at one point you're going to break. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how powerful, uh, you know, how big of a star you are, how, how famous you are. You look, at, you look at a superstar like Ronda and, you know, not, not taking anything away from her. I think she was amazing for the UFC, for the sport, yeah. for the women's division. She did outstanding things that very few people could at that time. Yeah. But her weight division... You know, the, the fighters in her weight class were, were not as competitive or on that level that she was. So you take a restricted pool, and she was fighting every single one of them, and she destroyed, man. Yep. At 14 seconds, you know, she'd do a judo slam, <laughs> beat the shit out of, out of that fighter, right? And and you get to a point where, you know, she started doing movies. She became a star, a celebrity. Yeah. Girl, yeah. Little girls were crying when Ronda Rousey came, but you, people have never seen that in the UFC, in the male division, let alone she the female. put the UFC on the map. She put the UFC on 100%. the map. And that was before Conor McGregor really, yeah, really exactly. reached that stage. That's before Conor McGregor. Ronda right. was the name of the UFC, man. I'm telling you the truth. You're definitely right. That's it. First, first time like women have been like the main event car, like main card that's event. It. Like that's crazy. Like she's done that's stuff. It. So she's, she's, she's a legend. She's a legend. No one could tell like that about her legacy right there. That's it. But then you take a legend like that and then you put up a Holly Holm. Then you put in Amanda Nunes. And then yeah. these are two challenges, right? So watch, your environment now is expanding. The yeah. levels the levels are growing, right? It's a very competitive landscape. And now you're faced with a different different kind of beast. Now they're right. on your level. And yeah. so what happened is she's taking that time away from fighting, right? She's not sparring enough. She's not doing the things that she should be for preparing. You have a six-month camp. In between yeah. that, you're doing interviews. You're, you're on the Tonight Show. You're doing movies. You know, and yeah. all, at the same time you're fighting, you get to a Holly Holmes, you're going to get your, your head knocked off. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what happened, right? So back back to that example, your environment is key, not just for yourself, but what you, what you're eventually going to be, right? I think that's that, that's really a story right there or an example. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. You know, the other thing you, you were talking about, man, is is turning point, right? You you said this yourself. I mean, I'm just taking words out of your story, but you said there was one point where uh, you know you were given the opportunity. I think maybe it was the Telfer Capital Fund, wherever in that in that in that pattern, there was one thing that happened and it's not out of luck we'll get to that in a sec but mm-hmm. there's there's always one event one experience one situation one environment that it just it's like a light bulb everything yeah. changes yeah. there's a lot of work leading up to it but in that moment you just feel it you feel it everything turns around what was that for you oh uh, i think to think about it honestly probably when i first got uh my pension investment uh, internship because I didn't maybe go in detail how I, I got it. It was, so what happened was I was actually applying for a job within the, um, within the company, right. That wasn't related. It was accounts payable, but I just wanted to get out of government and, you know, I'm a, I'm a faithful guy. Um, you know, uh, you know, very faithful. So I believe in, you know, the perfect plan. Everybody has a, a destiny. Everybody has a purpose in this life. Uh, so, you know, I was, 
I was going actually to do another inter interview for the company uh, on accounts payable division with hopes that, you know, maybe I can move my way to the pension investment division. So what, so what happened was my interview was say at one o'clock, I emailed somebody who's on the pension investment side. I said, Hey, you know, like I got an email at one o'clock. You want to grab a coffee uh, before my, my interview, I just to catch up, but I haven't talked to the person in a while. And, um, having coffee with him before my interview, um, you know, he was talking and he was like, you know, why don't you apply to the one here? I'm like, honestly, the, you guys didn't have a posting up. Like this, this is the only one that accepted my, my interview offer. He's like, that's strange. And he, he didn't think anything of it. He's like, oh, that's strange. Okay. I'm just like, okay. So well, he brought me up to my interview. He uh, introduced me to the person interviewing me. I thought that for sure, like that's a good introduction. I got like the vice president here that's introducing me to – you know, they have the table division. I was like, this is like, what a good day. I said, I said, I'm job in the day. So good. I did an interview for accounts payable. And I don't know whether or not they saw, like they, they did not see that I was a good fit for it. Maybe they got too finance minded or, you know, so I actually didn't get the job. But when I walked out of that interview, uh, about 20 minutes later, I got a call from a random number. So a private number, like answer the phone. And it's a guy who I had coffee with. He's like, Tyson, um, you know, I can't believe you didn't come through our screens. Uh, find a quiet place. I'm going to have my senior investment analyst call you in about 30 minutes for your interview. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Hang up. I remember I was all the way at Rito. I sprinted, <laughs> sprinted to, to Telford. <laughs> and I sprinted and I uh, – Canteen. I will find a room. I walk in. I'm like, I don't know whose room it was. I think there was like a TA in there. I was like, yo, get out. Like, I was yeah. like, yo, get out. Like, <laughs> I got some GTA in, in university. Yeah. <laughs> San Andreas, all of a sudden. <laughs> Everybody get. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so oh, I did this interview, and I was like, I did not feel as confident as I did feel about the accounts table job. So. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, you know, whatever, maybe like that's crazy. You got a chance to do two interviews in one day. Long story short, I didn't get the accounts payable job, but then the next day I found out I got the investment analyst job. And I just feel like, you know, there's always somebody looking out for you, you know, always there's always a purpose, there's always a plan. And, you know, like a big shift is just realizing that, you know, if you work really hard. And, and stuff may not pay off when you want it to pay off, but it will pay off. And that's something you got, people got to realize that hard work pays off. Maybe not when you want it to pay off, but it will pay off eventually. So, you know, you put in the work, put in the time, and eventually uh, things start to fall in places. It's, it's very true, man. You know, if, if, if I take you know, my example with G, because you brought that up, I was in the lab, right? I was, when I was working part-time, I'm sitting there, you know, working on assignment, and Puya looks back at me and, Shout out to Puya Safi, one of you know, my favorite managers at the time. And he just a great dude. He's a great friend of mine. And he really helped me during university. And, you know, he looks back at me and he says, hey, and, uh, do, you, do you want to apply to G? I look at him, I'm like, General Electric? I'm like, you know, what am I going to do? Build fridges and microwaves? Like, what do you, you know, at the time I was pretty uh, oblivious. And he's like, no, 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 they have the, they actually have one of the best financial programs. It's called the FMP program, Financial Management Program, right? One of the best leadership programs in the world. Uh, just take a look, take a look. It was forwarded to be my friend. Have a look. If, if it suits you and you like it, apply. So I applied to it. I ended up getting it. And, you know, just the timing of it was crazy. And I did it. And it was more of a, you know, corp, cost accounting, I would say, managerial accounting job, corp finance. 
uh, although you know awesome for ex- four months of experience you know great leadership uh, experience that I, that I learned throughout that that four months mm-hmm. but just wasn't the right fit and when I you know when it was when we both you know sided I ended up again my fourth year everybody was up dude I'm not even kidding people would pass me and be like hey are you applying I'm like no man you uh, you know, they're applying to hundred applications a day at least. And I'm sitting there, I'm just calling networks. Like if I have a connection in TD, yeah. I call that person and say, Hey, just found this, this job online. You know, let's talk about it. Yeah. So I'm scrolling through TMX at the time, you know, we had the TNB fund and John Degani was obviously a mentor, not, not just to the fund, but obviously to the university, he was very mm-hmm. well known. So I'm like, let me just look at TMX. I'm scrolling through the website and I'm like, associate program. I'm like, all right, this is pretty cool. I apply, I let him know. Uh, I do the first interview, phone call, cool. Mm. Second interview was a Skype. What the problem was though, my, and, and this, you're, gonna, you're gonna relate to this, my computer uh, I bought from, from Bahrain. So the time zone was still set in that region. Oh. He sent me, the recruiter sent me a calendar invite for 10 a.m. in the morning. On my, on my PC, I think it was like 5 p.m. So I go to university, I'm wearing like sandals and shorts. You know, and, and I'm just chilling, right, in the lab. And I got a call from the recruiter. So I'm like, man, if you ever see me freak out, and it doesn't happen often, but I panicked, <laughs> right? It was a job I really wanted. And honestly, I didn't apply to him anymore. So I, I get I get the phone call. I was on my phone. I'm like, oh, God. And I'm like, I'm, there's nobody in the lab. Who is yeah. out there? So I can't, like, share my pain. <laughs> and I look at it. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I panic. I press, I press the answer. And then I didn't realize the video was on. I just, I'm selfieing with my phone. <laughs> This is my second interview, man. I'm just like, yeah, I got to call you back, sir. Hang up. <laughs> I hang up on him. <laughs> so I sent an email. I'm like, man, I explained the situation. He's like, it's all good. Let's do it in two hours. Dash home, bro. I put on a suit. I, you know, I kicked my parents out. I'm just like, <laughs> just legit, just like a kick, a sidekick. My parents get out. I do the second interview. They're like, all right, we want you for the final. Final interview, it's at 8 a.m. I'm in Ottawa. It's in Toronto. I wake up at three, drive there. Dude, there's no place to change. I'm not going to drive four hours, five hours in a suit. Guess where I change? I change in a McDonald's. So I go to McDonald's bathroom. I put on a suit. I go destroy it. And by the way, at the time, I was the only University of Ottawa uh, applicant, right? In that final interview, Mm -hmm. 20. So there's 20. 19, UBC, Queens, McGill, UFT, all, you know, Western, all the top universities. I'd say Telfer and, you know, I'd always get a smirk. So I finished my two interviews and I smirked back and I'm like, let's get it. You know, because my <laughs> wife was stronger than everybody in there, right? Yep, there was yep. no way you were going to get this into this, exactly. this program. Yep. So it, it's cool, man. We were late on a, on a lot of stuff yep, here. Yeah. Like, like, like you, like I was the only hire from uh, the Telfer School of Management in the program in right now. All, all my colleagues are uh, U of T, Ivy League, uh, Queens. So it, it's, it's, uh, it's you, you, like you said, it, you, you it's a good. It's a good feeling sometimes. Sometimes you know, for me, it's a good feeling. It's just like, you know, like. Let's go. Good. good. <laughs> Let's go. Well, if you, dude, I read this book by Malcolm Gladwell, and a lot of people know this one. It's called David and Goliath. He talks about this this sort of theory that you could be a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a large pond, right? And and he actually does a study because he's from UFT. I think he's a grad, so he's he mm-hmm. understands the Canadian education system. And he says. If, if, you, if you and I went to Western or if you yeah. and I went to some Ivy League, whether it's the States or anywhere, the competitive landscape is so much higher, right? And you go from high school, you could be the top performing student in high school. You go to university and now you're average because yeah. there are 
300 other individuals just like you. And so yeah. your, your motivation actually goes down, your self-esteem goes down, your confidence goes down, and your performance eventually goes down. This was the research conducted. Mm-hmm. We went to Telfer. Now look, you know that. You and I have, big, have been big representatives of, of Telfer and Ottawa U, and I speak nothing but, but, the, but the best out of that university because I believe in it, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, let's be honest, the finance program is now becoming, you know, where it should be, but at the time, it was, it, was, it was still improving. It wasn't, it wasn't the greatest. No. You know, but what was awesome is that we, I always felt like it was a small community. Like we were a family, man. I oh, knew yeah. everybody. We were know? so, you'd know, it'd be like your hood, you know, you know, when, nobody, when someone walked into your area, you're like, you know, I don't recognize that, that person, you know, you you'd always know. We would, and we're really close. We, we were really close to the university. Everybody knew each other. Yeah. Really good. Like students, faculty, like Anne-Marie, you know, Kimberly, I mean, all these, all these people, even the teachers, man. You know, like Matt Archibald, they were they were just there for our success. You always felt yeah. that they were genuine, yeah. right? Yeah. And because a lot of the stuff weren't weren't created yet, we were almost pioneers in a lot of the stuff. The yeah. student running clubs like TNV, Telfer Capital yeah. Fund. Yeah. There's an algorithm uh, club now. There's there's all these types of things happening. Competitions, RITC, yeah. first time we ever go. It's a good feeling, man, because now you're creating a wave for the next generation of students who will have tremendous opportunities that you and I only can dream of at this point. Yep, yep, very See true. What I'm talking about. Yep, hundred percent, a hundred. I feel like we're lucky, man. And in fact, I can give two shits. Like, if I'm in an interview right now, I'm from Telfer. I'm from Telfer. Yeah, exactly. And when I, when I was in TMX and, and people smirked, I'm like, "Sorry, who's your final interview with?" And be like, they'll be like, "John DeGani." I'm like, "You better not smirk." <laughs> <laughs> just take some notes real quick. <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking out for you. I'm telling you, do not smirk. Yeah, you're free. <laughs> You know what I mean? You look at even in our MX business, Luke Fortin, right? Who was yeah, in HR. Yeah. He's the president right now, CEO of, of uh, the Montreal Exchange. Alumni of Ottawa U. Yeah, alumni you know, of Ottawa U. We're actually spreading the map now. You're in Scotia, that is BMO, you know, Anthony mm-hmm. Raymond James. I think everybody, man, not just you know, people from TNV or, or TCF, everybody who's coming from that, um, from that school. I recently met one of the earliest employees who was recruited in Google Canada. You know, he's, he's like a really? senior executive accountant now, yeah, account manager, sorry. And I didn't even know. I just look at his LinkedIn and I'm scrolling down. I'm like, I'm expecting like a Stanford or some major Ivy League. Yeah. You, Ottawa, Ottawa. And it's great because you go on LinkedIn now, you can really feel, you can write down like whatever industry and Ottawa U and then pop out like a bunch of people that, like a bunch of alumni. That's LinkedIn it. is a great source for that stuff. LinkedIn is awesome. Let's talk about social media, man. I know last time we sort of had this, this uh, very cool <laughs> argument. It was good, though. I, uh, yeah, we come yeah. from different sides, but, yeah. but I want to hear your take. What do you, you know, let's, let's talk about it. Okay, so social media. So I had uh, Facebook, Instagram, all these different things. And uh, I recently uh, just um, I, you know, like deactivated it, which means I can always reactivate it later. But I deactivated it now for now. Um, reactivate it. Yeah, I can always reactivate it. But uh, it was definitely a decision. Like, you know, most people say it's because of, you know, the, the, too much distractions, what it may be. Mm-hmm. I find, like, for myself, um, when, I, when I focus on something, I just like to stick with it and focus. And um, I find, like, I feel like if I had nothing to, like, look at, like, no media to look at, like, I'd find, my, find myself passing time off with other things, like reading or something like that. So... I, I, I just experimented with that. So that's what I'm experimenting with right now. It seems to be working fine. Uh, but I can tell you right now, which what you told me that like, you know, social media is going to be the, 
the network of the future. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's gonna be necessary. When you want, when people advisors nowadays, when they want to build a book of business, you know, you can outreach to so much more people through the Facebook advertising nowadays uh, than ever. Than then you can cold call or send mail out to people that won't pick up, you know? So it is necessary, but, uh, you know, I like, I like when people use social media for, you know, I guess everybody has their own views. People have their own decisions on what they want to use social media for. So, uh, you know, it's good. I think social media is a great source. Like when you use social media to advertise, uh, your values advertise, you know, your inspirational quotes and your videos and your show times. And, you know, I think that's a great thing. And, you know, when I get back on social media, eventually, um, when I want to advertise, you know, different ways to help people, you know, with the retirement planning, different ways to save on the tax efficiencies uh, on taxes and stuff like that. And just help people. It's just, yeah, for me personally, uh, it just didn't fit my, uh, my day-to-day priorities so i just cut it out for a bit no man i, I totally i totally understand dude and i actually agree i mean i think you hit it spot on that you know social media is is the it's not the next it's the the way to communicate right now you know you look at this tv behind me i don't know if you can see it but i don't even have cable i don't yeah. like if, if, if i want to watch movies i watch obviously netflix right i just yeah. stream um, this is more so, you know, if I have friends over and want to put on music and want it to be louder, that's what I use a TV for. What's weird, right? We just jam. But, <laughs> you know, uh, like you look at, you know, and, and I was listening to a podcast by Gary B. He even said it, right? We went from the radio to the TV, now to this. And the reason is because, you know, your smartphone, man, like if you look at our generation, millennials, Gen Z, who's the up and coming generation, our span of attention is so, so small. My you, you look, generation. Right. I mean, you look, you, you go on YouTube, you watch a video, you can't even like, as soon as you see that skip out, you're like, it's like you're on cocaine. Like you can't wait, you can't wait to hit that skip out. Right. You know, you're you're like, if if something loads or it's buffering, you get all, you know, upset. And and what this is doing, dude, it's crazy. But this, this small screen is capturing your attention. And that's why, I mean, marketers, or if you're in advertising or promotion, this is why this is important. It's not, it's not the phone itself. It's the applications that are drawing your attention yeah. and ha- have your energy focused. So yeah. if you want to push a product, if you want to advertise an event, direct people to your, to your blog, that, that's what this venue is for. Yeah. But I was talking about something with, with, with a coworker of mine. We're discussing social media. And, and someone brought up like Kim Kardashian somehow, right? Obviously, because I'm talking about Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, well, you know, I, I just can't stand Kim Kardashian. I, I can't, I hate her. I hate what she stands for. I think she's the dumbest person in the world. And I'm, I'm looking at this person and I'm like, all right. So I open up Instagram, right? And I, uh, I'm actually going to do it here as I speak. Let me do it really quickly. I just want to get this right. I know she has millions of followers, but so I open Instagram, right? I'm going to, I'm going to literally do exactly what I did. And he's looking at me, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> just one second, man. Hold up. So I go here and I go search bar, right? Kim. Kim. Kardashian, she's the first person that pops up, obviously. Tell me how many how many followers she has. 91.7 million. Right? And so he's like, your point is, I'm like, if you if you're calling her dumb, explain to me then the number of dumb people who follow a dumb person. Because here's here's the thing. She's putting she's only as good as the people who follow her. If there were zero followers, right? If zero people in this world give a shit about Kim Kardashian, there would be no Kim Kardashian. The mm-hmm. problem with 
So the problem that the people are having trouble understanding is that social media isn't the problem, technology isn't the problem. It's the human intention behind the technology. Because mm -hmm. at this point, before AI and machine learning, maybe that's the next yeah. phase. Right now, we're the ones driving this, right? So the content is only as the good it's only as good as people following it. So yeah. what this what this did, Tice, what this did, what things like Snapchat, Tinder, Instagram, all these things did is that they revealed publicly the truth about human human intentions. That's yeah. all they did. Yeah. And that's why people and, are pissed. And the fact that he's talking about her in the first place is just giving her more reins. Like, they want you to talk about her, you know what I mean? Like, Positive or negative, she's making money. Yeah, she's good like publicity, bad publicity, <laughs> any kind of publicity is good publicity. If you know that, you, you, we know that now. <laughs> we know that, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a good thing if people are talking. But, but that's, and, and back to your point, man, you know, I, I just I dislike when people generalize like oh you know look at these look at these millennials man all they do is they take this phone up and they take selfies well that's great but you know what this is the world right now yeah. like you know take like what, 15 years ago I used to go out and start campfires with my friends you know we'd go around on the streets and play with marbles you're not gonna see that with Gen Z it's just it's a different world yeah. they're not gonna go outside and play racquetball like yeah. it just it's a different it's a different dynamic people have to get around. Yep. Right. And I think blaming people, as you said, like if you use social media for a positive way or for a positive change, because that's all this is. I could I could just use my phone to take a selfie mm -hmm. or I can I can live stream on Instagram or Facebook and spread a good message because I feel good. Yeah. Why can't I? Why can't yep. I? Because now what's happening is CBC is looking at us and saying, oh, shit, you know, they're democratizing. We, we sort of disseminate information. You have the power, just as I do now, to legit have a, you know, a, a legitimate podcasting channel. Yep. To have, you can open a blog and you can curate news. Who's stopping you? Yeah. This is going live. This is, we're live right now, right? <laughs> like, you know. Who's crazy. stopping you, man? Before, yeah. it used to be in the control of like three giant companies. Now, you and I can do it from our phones. Yep. Has so. a $25 billion valuation on Snapchat IPO coming up. It's <laughs> crazy, man. It's going to be good for Canada, too. But hopefully, yeah. we have some, some tech startups here, too. That are going to blow up. You know, we had Shopify recently. Uh, you know, Ottawa based. So again, I mean, that's another thing we can talk about, right? The entrepreneurship scene. Uh, it, it's that's interesting. That's crazy in right now. Yeah, I actually want to uh, do some more research on like some of the events because I know that they have a lot of like uh, startup uh, entrepreneurship events right now in uh, in Ottawa. They give a bunch of events. I know that uh, I think some of the Telfer alumni have been advertising on LinkedIn. Some of these uh, events that they're. I'm, quite interested in it also interested in looking at what's going on in ottawa for the 150th canada that's yeah. interesting too um something that like um you know i learned i forgot to mention something that like something that we could talk about and i think that it's, sure. it's always a point of conversation where we always talk was you know after you're done school and everything like that there's one lesson that you know i've learned and that people should learn going into and it that is patience mm -hmm. and you know understanding what failure is you know mm -hmm. you know patience is key when you get out into the workforce you know it's not going to come fast and easy or as easy as university as user universities come about to be you know yeah, I'm an associate within a two-year rotational program I'm not looking like I'm not going to get a promotion in the next six months of working no matter how like hard you work you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. it's got to be patient and you got you got to get rid of this 
fact, we got as students graduating, you know, we got to get rid of this idea of entitlement or something like that. Keep your head low, get what you need to get done, and you know, ride the waves mm-hmm. and failure. You know, I flip it. I have not, I have not um, failed as much in my whole life until I started working like full time, like mistakes. You know not passing certain things it's like you know it's just like and man it hit me hard because i was like man i come back from university i've graduated with distinction like you know i'm a, I'm a smart guy you know and then you get into uh the workforce and you, you're working and you're studying and you're, and you're doing projects stuff like that and just getting used to the idea of failure you know and you got to understand that it's all part of the process it's all part of the growth and you know, it's, you know, everything, everything happens for a reason, man. So I know that uh, failure is, all right, but, you know. Well, look at the poster behind yeah. you. That's what failure is. Yeah. I would say. That, MJ? MJ. MJ. That's failure, man. Yeah. I mean, if, if he didn't, he has, he has a quote, but I'm sure people heard it, but, you know, this guy behind you has failed so many times, right? Cut out of the high school basketball team. I mean, all the things he's went through, or he's been through, and, and he's and he's had to overcome. But out of all the basketball players I know, he is the most well recognized brands yep. in sports history. Yep. All right. So that's the definition, Tyson. And, and failure is, and you talk to me about this. It's, you talk to me about this so well. Like every time I, every time something goes wrong, and like. You speak to failure so amazingly that you can host a documentary just about failure. <laughs> It'll be like three hours long. <laughs> but, um, you know, the only time you fail is when you actually just give up. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time you fail. Like, you can fail to pass. You don't fail. You're not a failure. You fail to pass. Okay. Not, you're not failing. Failing is if you say, screw this, forget this, I'm never going to do this again. And I don't think it's even in my nature to even quit. No. I don't think – I think it's not in your nature either because it's this kind of thing like you can't start something and not finish, not finish it. it. You know what I mean? You have this idea in your head. It's like I can't do, you know, level one of the like, – you can't do like level one of the CFA, not pass it, and then say, you know what, I don't really need the CFA anyways. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't need the CFA anyways, you're going to be like, I want to flip and get it. Yeah, you're just, it. Like, yeah. Not, now you're just like, I got to get it. You know, like I don't want to, I don't want that to be on my deathbed. Like, oh man, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I gave up on that or whatever, whatever designation you want to get the MBAs. You know, people are studying for their GMATs right now. GMATs out there, you know, and you don't get the score you want. Like it's kind of, it's kind of that drive. I think hopefully I want to believe that everybody has that kind of, um, you know, confidence about their ability and the confidence about like not quitting, but the truth of the matter is, a lot of people, a lot of people don't. A lot of people just will give up and be like, you know, it's just. It is what it is, right? Yeah. And and that's what I mean. To be honest, man, it's not the only reason, but the majority of the reason of why I did all this to begin with, you know, the publishing of articles, the podcast, I put myself out there. Even the singing on Instagram, people are like, what the hell is he doing now? You know, who are you to sing? Every single time I've done something crazy is to show people that I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. If I want to do something and it makes me happy, I'm going to do it, you know, yeah. and, and you look at failure. We talk about failure all the time, but who cares? Yeah. Look, on average, you have 28,000 days. You're, you're, you mean to tell me 
in, 80, in 82 years, you're going to be scared to do something and just sit on the bench. We're all going to die anyways. Might as well go on the field and play. That's yeah. what Les Brown said, right? In grade five, man, grade five, grade six, I said this story last time. I, I, did a, I did a speech in front of people, and I said, I was in grade five. I was doing the first presentation I ever did, formal, right? I had a billboard, and I really, really like, tried to prepare for this thing. My English wasn't the greatest. I was a very, very self-conscious child. Uh, I stuttered a lot. You know, I have a stuttering problem, believe it or not. Uh, but, you know, I was overweight, and, and I was very scared of, uh, of, of showing people that I was confident. I just I didn't know how. I stand up in front of people and I'm like sweating, dude, and my buns are like almost going to pop out, mm-hmm. right? And I stutter and, and this thing just, one of the worst presentations I've ever had. In midway, I blank out. and It was just a mess, dude. And I remember like I was about to cry, but, you know, everybody's looking at me and it was pretty sad. Like, you know, I can, I can make a joke out of it, but it was actually pretty daunting, right? And the, the t- teacher sort of walks up to me and I'll never forget this, man. She literally, in the middle of the entire class, it's like 30 people, looks at me and says, George, how am I going to say this? You know, it was, it was a good presentation, but I don't think you'll ever be a good communicator. I just, I don't think, you know, this whole public speaking thing will be for you, but that's okay. You might have other, other skills. And I remember just looking her in the face, man. And I, I sat down, I didn't say a word that entire day, that entire week. I felt like sh- complete shit, you know, and it's demotiv- at, at this stage in your life, if you look at someone and who really breaks you, you know, and, and just to show you the power of words, right? I mean, mm-hmm. failure can be internal, but it can be external too. Just yeah. the power of words. She could have said something that inspired me, helped me grow to become a better communicator, but she instead decided to use a word to destroy me, yeah. right? And, and then, you know, I was in grade, like, what, 10 or something, and I remember watching a video, and it was Les Brown who said, don't let other people's opinion of you become your reality, right? And I remember that, that, that quote just, just hit me, man. I, I remember I got goosebumps even when I say it today, and I've said this multiple times, right? But man, the one thing about it is is fear. It, it, failure in itself is not what scares people. It's the fear of failing. Yeah. Why? Because you're afraid of getting judged. You're afraid of the humiliation. You're afraid of maybe not getting back up when, when you're down in the dirt. Yeah. It's that fear. But that fear, as we know it, is false expectation appearing real. It's yeah. only in the mind. It's yeah. something you create. That's why you know when you think of skydiving, you're scared, even though you've never done it. Because yeah, yeah. the fear or the risk of maybe falling or not, the parachute not going up, scares you of even trying to do something. You know, it's yeah. fucking crazy, man. Like, you look at the top top fears. One is the height. Second is, is fear of public speaking. You're afraid to yeah. speak to your counterparts. Well, why is that? Because you're afraid of being judged. That's the only yeah, reason. That's yeah. why you're afraid to walk up to a mic and start speaking. 100%. And, yeah, 100% agree with that. It's crazy, man. And, you know, another thing is that, you know, why people dig themselves such a deeper hole and why they're always afraid of other people's opinion is because, you know, they're always comparing themselves to the next person. And, you know, uh, comparison is a thief of joy at the end of the day, no matter what you do. You, you, you spend your time, and I know we even talked about this too. I think we're talking about, you know, I think I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, it wasn't successful in the first attempt of one of my CSI exams. And then, mm-hmm. And then uh, I, you, know, you asked me, like, you know, why? And we went and we went and got ice cream. That was lit. That was really good. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but you asked me something so profound. I was like, you're like, okay, you know, why? Why do you? Why do you care? Like, why do you care that you didn't get on the first try? And even though I got a second try, you're like, why do you keep thinking from? I was like, I don't know. Like, because you said, okay, it may, I was like, you're like, I, I said, I don't know. Maybe because you know. 
I'm in the classroom with other students and so like they most of them passed and I didn't like okay so if if you didn't know they passed or if you if you didn't tell them anything or if they didn't know anything about your grades would you still be upset right now and I was like heck no I wouldn't be upset like if it was just me and I, and if I just knew about my own like situation I wouldn't worry about it like I'd be like hey let's just try it again you know but it's just the fact that inside we're always comparing ourselves to other people and other people's path when that path is different from yours and comparison is a thief of joy. Like that's something I struggled with a lot when I was in university too, is always comparing myself to, you know, people who I thought were very successful in the, in the, in the finance and getting their head act together. And there's, and there's some times where being competitive is healthy for you, mm-hmm. but comparing yourself to want to be like somebody else, it's, um, it can be very poisoning to your success and poisoning to your future. So, hundred percent, man. I mean, yeah. that, that's the thing, right? When I said that to you, it's because I knew you. It, it, the result of the output wasn't wasn't what was upsetting you. It was yeah. the fact that people knew, and yeah. you were you were afraid of that judgment. Yeah, you know, exactly. But if if, if if you did that exam, and you didn't tell anybody about it, or if nobody knew, you know, and you just did it in a in a closed environment, and and it was a pass or fail. Who cares, yeah. right? You, you, at the end of the day, what you're doing is for yourself. You know, I'm not, so uh, Eric Thomas, another another motivational speaker that I, that I follow says, you know, I'm not living my life for you. I'm living my life for me, you know, and that's mm-hmm. big and, and you don't believe me. There's a picture, we talked about this last time, Michael Phelps versus his competitor, right? Yeah. Michael Phelps is doing the butterfly, they're both doing it, but he's like, and, and you know, in swimming, it's like, it's, yeah. it's a matter of inches, right? Seconds and, you know, your length sometimes, like if you have long arms and you just mm-hmm. touch it, that I mean, you win. Yeah, this guy is like just in his zone. He's in his lane, his head's down. He's focused. He tunes out everything, and it, you can see that your competitor next to you, like even if mm-hmm. you're down, doesn't care. He tunes out everything. It's like silence for him. All he sees is that finish line because that's his goal. Mm-hmm. He's there to win the Olympic title, even though he's won it God knows how many times, like twenty times or something. And the guy beside him, it's weird. It's not the picture. He's doing this, but he's looking at Michael Phelps. Yeah, <laughs> and I know that picture. Yep, yep. You see what I mean? It's Keep crazy. your head down, man. Always, always just, you know, do you. And, and you're right. Because what happens when you start comparing is you become jealous. When you yeah. become jealous, the reason why you, you compare yourself is, is we all have a modeling behavior. The next time you have a coffee, if, if you don't see it within yourself, see it in the other person. We have a mimicking behavior. It's, it's, it's almost animalistic. But what happens is if, if – the reason why we do it psychologically is because we're trying to empathize or resonate with the way the other person is. So yeah. notice how if someone comes to you, say your girlfriend comes to you and she's really upset, and shout out to Sethia, you know, you know, she comes to you and, she, and she's upset, right? You're obviously, if you know, and, and we show signs, right? Nonverbal cues, we're hunched over, maybe a little pouty sad. You're not gonna be like, yeah, no. you know, <laughs> what you're gonna do is mimic. You're gonna be like, you know, you resonate. You maybe give a hug, you know, you, you slouch to show the person that, hey, I feel you. Like, I understand what you're, what you're, what you're going through. Uh, but it's the same problem, right? So because of that, it's like a twitch now. It's a reflex. And when you see someone who you aspire to become, modeling is very different than, than, than comparing. Modeling yeah. actually is a very positive trait because you okay. look at what okay. the person is doing and you take pieces of it and you apply it. That's a healthy yeah. movement. That's a healthy right? That's healthy. Tony Robbins speaks about it. But when you, com- when you compare yourself, what you're doing is you take someone's identity and try to put it in your persona. And the reason why that doesn't work is because you're not like anybody else. Your DNA is singular to you. 
-hmm. It doesn't matter if there's 800 billion people in this world, if there's 8 billion, if there's 1 billion. From all those 1 billion people, man, from all those 7 billion, you are unique to your individual identity, right? And that's why comparison doesn't work. Yep, 100%, man. And, you know, it's it's good to, uh, you know, talk about this right now on the podcast because I feel like it's not talked about enough sometimes, you know, and, you know, being vulnerable, being, like, showing, telling people about, you know, sometimes the struggles you go to, like, you know, falling behind, like, feeling like I'm behind, feeling like, you know, you failed way too much afterwards and you know it's it's uh like you said you you don't you can't care what other people think but you, you probably, you're probably going to impact more people than people will judge you at the end of the day so okay. that's what yeah, that's what you got to believe my brother <laughs> keep trying i want to i want to sort of uh wrap this up with one thing man i know i know that you know uh that, that you speak about religion and it doesn't really matter i don't want to categorize but just in general having faith we spoke a bit about that I, last time I asked you, what's your favorite um, verse from the Bible? And, and I Instagrammed it. I couldn't yeah. tag you because you're on Instagram. But, yeah, it's all uh, good. I'll read it out. Um, yeah, read so it out. Because <laughs> it actually relates to what we just talked about. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Galatians 6.4. All right? So, uh, you know, Tice, thanks for sharing that with me, man. And, and thanks for just thanks for being open. This was a cool convo. I'm sure anybody... <laughs> Who's anybody and listens to this is going to get something valuable out of it, man. No, man, it's a pleasure. Thank you again so much for the opportunity, man. I really do appreciate it. Again, like, I I think you're doing a great job. I think you're doing a great work. And I just want you to keep pushing, man, because I know that the sky's the limit when it comes to doing this. And I know that, you know, you're a hardworking guy. You're a very successful uh, person in your career. And you've impacted a lot of people, whether or not you know it or not. You know, like I said, like a lot of times I'm calling you after I read your articles, you know, and <laughs> and I've been at the school sometimes and I and people talking about you, you know, sitting down uh, with people coffees and they're saying you're an awesome person, you're a good guy and it's genuine. I just don't want you to ever, you know, whenever you have days of discouragement that you don't want to, you know, you just want to quit it, you know, whatever the friction, you're just not feeling anymore. Listen back to this podcast and say, you know, bro, there's a lot of people out there, whether you realize it or not, that really look up to you and really look up to your your podcast and your words and what you have to share to everybody because you got to you spit it truthful, truthfully, and you know it's easy to resonate with you. It's easy to you know it's easy for you to come in my skin and let let me know how uh, you feel and you resonate and how I feel at certain times in my life. So. I really appreciate that, and I really appreciate the Khalifa style. Those were big words, man. Uh, much love, bro. I, I mean, that, that's why I do these things, dude. And, and just hearing it at times is, is the motivation for me, man, because you're right. Sometimes if I don't hear it or, if, you know, and I don't do it for, the, for how many people view it, even if it's one person, if it's just you, and I can impact that. I mean, that, that's all that matters to me. But keep doing you too, Tice. Don't give up, man. You're going to be this guy. I'm telling you, I'm going to go on air right now and say this guy <laughs> right here, whatever he does, he's in the financial field right now in wealth management and financial planning is going to be one of the most successful people I know in whatever he does because this guy has heart. He's always been a good person. He's never, never, ever, you know, swayed on the path of, of morals, values, and, and just an all-around awesome dude, awesome friend. Tice, thanks again for doing this, man. No, man, I really appreciate it, man. You have yourself a great Sunday. Uh, you too, bro. Let's watch the Super Bowl, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I don't want the Falcons to win for sure. All right, all right. All right, buddy. 
See you later, buddy. See you, man.